It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Sheena Roberts has that wonderful English humor, which makes life enjoyable. I love that she takes it seriously to make sure you're having a good time. Her passion is teaching, and she loves working with people to support their learning, to challenge them, and to extend their reach so that they can create the quilt of their dreams. Sheena, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to share with me on a quilter's life. It's really lovely to be here, Paula. Thank you for inviting me. Uh-huh. So glad to have you. Tell me about where you were born and raised. Well, I'm in the UK. I'm in England and I was born in sort of the north of England around Manchester. And then when I was about 10, moved to North Wales, which is much prettier than Manchester. And that was lovely. Lots of mountains and the sea and all of that. So really lovely. And I've lived so many places along the way. Do you have a special childhood memory? I think it all comes back to my great aunt Mary, as she was the person who encouraged me in my sewing journey. And I just have such lovely memories in Manchester and in North Wales of her encouraging and challenging and boosting me gently and making sure I headed in a decent direction. She was great. We used to call her Mary the Great. <laughs> she sounds like a wonderful person. Did she live oh, near you or did you have to travel to visit her? She still lived in Manchester, so it was an hour's drive to go and see her and she would come and stay with us for the weekend. It was lovely. Just lovely. Really, really special lady. How wonderful to have someone so great in your family. Yes. She used to teach tailoring at Manchester Women's Prison. And she had her own dressmaking and wedding dress making business and taught tailoring there. So sewing was a big part of her life. Wow. And she really encouraged me to make it a big part of mine too. That's so cool. Now, besides sewing and quilting, did you have employment elsewhere? Yes. I've been lots of things. I've been a primary teacher for quite a long time and also done lots of clerical and secretarial work and a trainee librarian. I wanted to be a vet, but that never happened. I wasn't good enough at any of the sciences. But being a primary school teacher was really a great love. I did that until about 12 years ago. Now, primary in England, what age is that up to? So it can be anything from age three to 
age 14, but usually 5 to 11. And where are you living now and how did you get there? I'm living in Watford, which is just north of London. It's very convenient. It's a place that has lots of main routes, road and railway. And so Watford is a fabulous place. You can get away from it very, very easily. In some respects, it's not the most exciting place, but it has lots of green space and you've got access to London and you've got motorways to head out to all the different parts of the country. And I've been here 30 odd years, so I must like it. It's the most I've lived anywhere in my whole life. I have a little Victorian two down terraced cottage with a slate roof and it sounds very picturesque, but in this weather it's jolly cold and no garden, but some nice shrubs and pots in the garden. <laughs> Over here we hear of the English garden, so that was going to be my next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, there isn't one. <laughs> and when you mention railways, over here I tend to think of freight, but are you talking about for people to get away to other parts? Yes, the train, the railway network is for passengers as well as freight. And it's great. I can walk five minutes away from my front door and get on a train and be in London in 20 minutes. I can get to Birmingham to go to the Festival of Quilts at the NEC in an hour. So it's really convenient. That sounds so nice. I'm trying to picture how it would be to travel by train like that. Is it crowded? Is it what I think of a subway type crowded or is it comfortable? Sometimes it can be very crowded and quite unpleasant. And then other times you can get on a nice train with comfortable seats and they even bring round glasses of wine that you do have to pay for. But <laughs> even so, that's a little bit of a treat at the end of a day at Festival of Quilts to be sitting on your train with a glass of wine, not worrying about everything that you've bought. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to share about your family or your past? Well, I have three children a girl and two boys and my youngest boy is 25 possibly 26 i will get into trouble for that and he still lives at home and i have to be very careful about the quilts i make because he thinks they all belong to him of course absolutely we have two cats who think I exist purely to feed them and who especially like coming and joining in with Zoom classes in the evenings and have a tendency to sit right between me and my camera. <laughs> Besides your quilting, are there other crafts that you do or that you've done? 
I used to do a lot of cross stitch. I started patchwork and quilting in my teens, but let it go the way you do and sort of moved more into dressmaking and things like that, especially when my children were younger. And cross stitch was great for sitting down when you eventually had a moment's peace from the children. But I haven't done that for such a lot. But I did really used to enjoy designing my own samplers and things like that in cross stitch. It's great fun. And I used to love making my own clothes. But at least these days when you make a quilt, you don't have to worry about being the same size as you were when you started making it, as you do have to with a dress. And I never am the same size when I finish as when I start. So they never fit nicely. So I've given it all up. <laughs> I started out with cross stitch also. So when I started quilting, I had a cross stitch design program. And I would design my quilt in the cross stitch design program. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must have been very challenging. I used to do all of my designing on graph paper and with colored pencils. Designing is fun, whether in cross-stitch or quilts. It is. I use the electric quilt program for a lot of my designing. and It's great just to be able to play and move things around easily, change the colors on things. It takes some of the drudgery. It's great when you've got an idea in your head and then you get it down, but somehow it just needs that little bit of tweaking. And you can do that tweaking so easily in these computer-aided programs. Yeah, makes it a lot easier. Are there other hobbies that you have? I think my quilting is pretty much all absorbing these days. I used to dance and do everything from ballet to tap dancing to Morris dancing and all lots of different traditions like that. And I used to play bass clarinet. And I used to play that for the Morris side as well, which was really great fun. But I don't do that anymore, I'm afraid. Not even at home for yourself? Not even at home, no. I think when you play a bass instrument, some friends of mine used to describe it as grunting and farting, <laughs> which is a little unfair, but I can understand where they were coming from. And it's really strange when you've got a melody in half of your head and you are just sort of following that bass line around. And it's a bit weird when all you can hear is just that bass line grunting and farting in the background. <laughs> but it's fabulous when you're in with a group of people and all playing together. Yeah. Oh, the next question is, do your hobbies show up in your quilting? But I don't know if grunting and farting works in your quilting. <laughs> <laughs> mm, not necessarily. 
but my interest in English traditional pastimes and things like that does show up. When I was doing my City and Guild certificate work, I used the image of the green man, the foliate heads that you see, stone heads on churches with lots of ivies growing out of them and things like that. That became a big design element in my city and guilds work. And tunes are quite often an inspiration. So I will have a tune in my head and that will lead itself into a quilt design. Or I will have people from the music and dance world ending up in my designs. So one of my patterns, Sunshine and Stars, is actually named for a children's entertainer called Dr. Sunshine, a great friend of mine. And he's a fabulous children's entertainer from my youth and my children's childhood. And so there are discrete references to things but not necessarily that would jump out at people. When you make a pattern like that, do you put in a little bit of that history or your thoughts in package it in with the pattern so people know where your idea came from? Yes. In the write-up that I do about the pattern, I always say a little bit about where the idea has come from, I quite often dye my own fabrics, so I'll explain that dyeing process and talk about what threads I've used. I don't tend to work with companies' ranges of fabrics, so I do tend to give that little bit of background to how it's all come together. Neat. I think that information is so helpful. Let's move on to who introduced you to quilting? I would have to say it was that great designer of clothing and everything else, Laura Ashley, a great Welsh clothing designer. I presume she was sold across the world as well as in the UK. I liked her fabrics and her patterns for making my clothes. And she also used to, or her company, used to create packs of ready-cut hexagons. So I think so many of us have started our patchwork and quilting journeys with English paper piecing with Laura Ashley ready-cut hexagons. And that's certainly how I started initially. And then I went back to it probably about 20 years ago when I could no longer find any dressmaking classes and going out to classes was my way of escaping from family life and the children and everything. So I just wanted to do something and if they weren't going to 
direct me towards dressmaking, then huh, patchwork would have to do <laughs> a very poor second best. And it took over. And I had some fabulous teachers in the local classes and they really inspired me. Judith Wilson was a fabulous teacher from Hertfordshire who I took classes with for a few years. And it went from there. I made a note from your website that you also taught quilting to students at your school? Yes. We had some lunchtime clubs. Patchwork and quilting was a great thing to do with children from sort of eight to 11. They'd have their school lunches and then come to my classroom and we'd sit and do some hand quilting and make potpourri sachets and things like that. And they made some lovely things, a really gorgeous quilt. The children collected leaves from the school playground and traced them onto Bonderweb and cut them out of fabric and appliqued them onto squares. And then I made that up into a quilt and then that was raffled as a fundraiser for the school, things like that. So a mixture of things that they could take home and things that would be a, as a fundraiser. And they also made their school's logo where a lot of schools would have a brass plaque on the wall as well as their normal brass plaque. They have a quilted one. How fun. It was a lovely, quiet, peaceful zone. Yeah, very fond memories of those groups. Nice. Do you happen to have a favorite quilt? It's usually the last one I finished. But having said that, a quilt that I've made this past year for a course called Citrus Jazz, which is a modern improv medallion quilt. And I see something new in it every time I look at it. When I've seen quilts that others have made through my classes for that, it's just so exciting seeing the interpretations that they've put and how they've made them their own. So I think Citrus Jazz is pretty much my favourite. And is there a tool that you're so happy you have? It's my long ruler, my 24 inch long by six inches, six and a half inches wide ruler, because you can do everything with that. It's got the 45 degree angle lines on it. It's got the 60 and 30 degree lines, so you can cut triangles. You can cut squares, you can cut the strips. If you are only going to get 
one ruler, that's the one to go for. Yeah, I don't think I could do without that one at all. I've listed that as my favorite tool also. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so useful. Because this is a very small house and I'm up here in the loft, so it's a very small space. And I don't have a lot of space for a ruler specifically for that, a tool specifically for something else. So I like things that will do a lot of jobs. And I like to make sure that when I'm teaching, I'm not telling people that they need to buy lots and lots and lots of different tools. Because I think you can have your own fun rootling around the shops and finding what you fancy. It's just good to know that this is your basics and you can do everything with just a few basics. Out of all the steps in quilting, do you prefer working certain steps or do you like each step along the way? I think I'd have to turn that question around on its head. It's really the binding that I don't like. I don't like hand sewing the binding, partly because my hand sewing is so dreadful. But I love the designing. I love taking this concept out of my head and twiddling with it until I can make it how I want it to look. I love setting to with the colors. I love cutting it and sewing it together. I love walking foot quilting. I'm not a fan of free motion. I love my walking foot. And I'm so happy doing all of those. And then it comes to hand sewing the binding down. And it must be time to go and have a cup of tea. <laughs> and which cup of tea do you prefer? Oh, it's what? We call builder's tea. So normal black tea with milk, normal tea. Usually, I don't know whether it's called this in other countries, but in the UK, it's quite often just described as builder's tea. Nothing fancy. <laughs> I had to throw that question in. My daughter-in-law's parents live in Kenya and have a tea plantation. And I think a lot of their tea ends up in your black tea. Yeah, a really nice mix of Kenyan and Assam makes for a really good daytime tea. Describe to me your worst quilting experience. That's really so hard. And I don't want it to sound as though oh, I've never made a mistake because that is so totally not the case at all. But there's always a way of turning a mistake into an adventure. So what has started off as some of my worst mistakes have actually ended up being something really, really exciting. So. I can't remember anything. 
either that or it's been so awful i've just wiped it out of my memory that's great why do you think you continue to make quilts rather than spending your valuable time doing something else what strange question surely everybody spends every waking moment making quilts isn't that how the world works i know when my children were young and they'd go and visit friends houses they'd come back and they'd say but so and so they didn't have a big pile of quilts on the back of the sofa it was very strange we didn't have anything to make a tent out of and things like that but they did also come back and say things like they had sausages and you know they weren't black and crispy <laughs> so yeah both sides of the coin from my children but genuinely i love making quilts and i don't think i'm as prolific as many people because i'm working such a lot but i love making quilts and i love having quilts i can't think of anything nicer than a nice big stack of quilts on the back of a sofa ready to snuggle into thank you that's great and who do you usually make your quilts for? Well, this is going to sound very sad. They're mainly made as samples for classes, for teaching, and even quilts that I have officially made for my children. They do realize that they're not actually allowed to take them away with them when they leave home because they've got to be kept here so that I can use them again as a sample for a class. So I think they're all just waiting for me to pop off so that they can gather their individual quilts and have them all back. I do make quilts for special friends, but I do find it so hard to give quilts away. I like them all so much. <laughs> you mentioned not liking the binding, but I find myself slowing down because I know it's going to somebody and I'll have to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, my slowing down is because I don't enjoy it, but I do like doing a machine flange binding and that's a nice finish. But yes, they're made and then they're stacked up. I've got a whole cupboard unit in my bedroom full of quilts and the very small ones at the top and wall hangings a bit further down and big bed quilts in the same sort of order. There's all the instructions to go with making them so that when I revisit a class, I can just grab the sample grab the instructions and know that I've got everything to hand. It's quite embarrassing if you've got to get in touch with your child and say, that quilt that I gave you, please can I have it back? <laughs> I don't very often make 
lots of iterations of the same quilt that don't make a great many different colorways or things like that. So once they're made, they're on my shelf and it's my excuse for holding tight to them. <laughs> Do you have a special project going on right now? I've just this week finished a quilt that I'm making for next term's classes. And it's a stitch and flip crazy quilt where you sew onto the wadding and quilt through the whole layer. I like doing quilt as you go a lot and a lot of my students like quilt as you go too. So I use that in different forms. So the very narrow quilt, the very narrow sashing or wide sashing or no sashing. And this one is with a wide sashing and it alternates between these crazy blocks and some walking foot quilting blocks. So there's some very fancy stars and spirals and things. So it's all references, celestial bodies and stars and moons and equipment for looking at the stars and moons. It grew out of a lot of scrap and having put it all together, I'm just so excited by it. I'm thrilled. It's worked so well. <laughs> it's so fun when it all comes together. I know. Yes. And it's amazing how often it does. You start off with a really good idea. And this happens in classes with my students a lot. They've taken their time choosing fabric and they start building it and they think, I don't like this. And then they get a little bit further on in the process. Oh, it's starting to look better. And then they get further on again. I don't like it anymore. And eventually it's all put together and they step back and they look at it. I really like that. And it's just lovely seeing that progress and that growth, if you like, because I think quilts do blossom. They can start as very uninspiring things and then blossom into something really exciting. Mm -hmm. Please share a quilting tip. Finished is better than perfect. I think very often we get very hung up on whether something is good enough. And really, you want to do the best you can do that day. And sometimes it won't be as good as other days, but that doesn't matter so long as it's the best that you can do on that day, because tomorrow you might do something better. And that's how you grow in your skills. But when you take a step back away from something and look at it and then realize that you can't see these 
terrible, dreadful mistakes that you think you made. So absolutely, finished is better than perfect. It sure is. Can you describe how you went from having quilting as your hobby and it transformed into a business? I'd finished my City and Guild certificate. And whilst I was completing that, I had left my career teaching within primary schools. And initially, I'd thought about making quilts as a business and then realized that that would be very unsatisfying. The idea of going around to craft fairs, desperately trying to sell things on cold days in tents, that didn't really appeal. There was just this little bit of a light bulb moment. I'm a teacher. What else should I do? And so I put my teaching skills towards my patchwork. And that was really how it came about. I crossed my fingers behind my back and booked a room and said, right, there we go. I'm organizing quilting classes. Please sign up. <laughs> and a few people did. And they carried on coming for quite a few years. And hopefully it's gone from strength to strength. This will be my 10th year in business. My first class was January 2013. Wow. And as scary as it was to put yourself out there and get that room, do you remember how exciting it was when people started signing up? Yes, absolutely. It was just fabulous. And seeing what people made and how people translated my ideas, my instructions into their own work. And that's always been a really big thing for me. It's never about, here's a quilt that I made, copy it. It's always much more about, here's some skills. Let's see how you can play about with them and make something that's your own and so at the end of a class you'll see as many different looking quilts or wall hangings or whatever projects as there are people in the class sometimes and there's always a pattern for them to work too because some people like that that's how they want to work but other people want to move away from that idea and create their own style. And that's really important to me that they're supported to do that. So seeing these different projects coming together was just the most exciting thing in the world. And that's how things have continued. 
what was it like, if you can remember the first time maybe, that you had a pattern out there, maybe you had it in your class, and you saw somebody else made a pattern that you had designed. Was that a strange feeling? I think because right from the beginning of my classes, I've designed the project entirely, written those instructions entirely from scratch. So it wasn't a big difference teaching a class to writing a pattern. In some ways, my patterns are, I suppose, a little excessive because they're full of diagrams and hints and tips and suggestions because that's how I would teach in a class and I want someone to be able to follow a pattern and not get stuck so it's almost as though I'm sat on their shoulder helping them along so the pattern making came as a sort of oh actually I don't have to limit myself to just teaching in person, I can create these things so that people can go and work on them by themselves as well. So it wasn't that, oh, I've done something really big and strange and different. It was just a step on from what I'd started doing. But always seeing somebody make something that I've designed, that's just so wonderful and they're always so much better than mine they're always that much more interesting they've put something into it that I haven't thought of and that just makes it to be so lovely and interesting there's a pattern out called going underground which is based on the London underground map and I'd quilted it one way and somebody else had quilted it with the circle and the bar symbol of the London Underground logo. And I just thought that was such a neat idea. Why didn't I think of doing that? So there's always something that somebody brings to it that just makes me step back and go, oh, that's so clever. It's great that we can build on each other's strengths. It really is. I love how you have created an on-demand quilting class. Can you tell me what the difference is between courses, playtimes, mini classes? And I think we all understand what the freebies are. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it makes sense to me. <laughs> we'll see whether it makes sense to other people as well. So a course to me is something that runs over, say, a 10-week period with a regular visit, either in person or via Zoom. So you've got a regular time and the students and the teacher meet together. So that's your course. 
an on-demand class is something that you can do in your own time. So I might do the same project as a course and as an on-demand because people don't always want, they don't want me sitting on their shoulder for some some chunk of time every week. They want to get on and do things by themselves. So that's the difference between the on-demand and the course. Playtime is just that. It's time to have a little bit of a play to try something out that you haven't necessarily tried before. And I try to write playtimes using things that you're likely to have in the house and in your craft room. So I did a playtime for block printing. So it was very easy to create some blocks from household objects. So you don't have to go out and spend a lot of money to try a technique out. I did some melting and heating of fabrics and things like that. And whereas a lot of the time you would want to use a heat gun or a soldering iron or something like that, what I tried to do was to find things that could be done with a domestic iron, preferably an old domestic iron that you weren't then going to use to iron your best frock. But you wouldn't necessarily have to go out and spend a lot of money on the bits and pieces that you need for it. So they're low investment things. They're low investment in terms of what you would pay for that learning. And they're low investment in terms of the time it will take and the resources that you need. So playtimes are a very brief introduction to something. And then if you're interested, and if it floats your boat, you can go off and try it. But if you've always wondered about doing it and then think, actually, that wasn't as much fun as I thought, you haven't spent hundreds of pounds getting all the resources together. So that's what playtimes are. Is there anything more you want to tell me about your quilting classes and workshops? They're fun. They're always lots of fun. They're always quite rowdy with lots of laughter, lots of teasing of each other going on in a very, very friendly fashion. And they're opportunities to really develop your own practice. And if I'm teaching something that you're not enjoying, it's actually my job to teach you something different or something in a different way because it's my job to make sure that you are enjoying the class. That's really, really important to me. Sounds like a lot of fun. I hope so. <laughs> well, tell me the name of your business now that we've talked about it. Tell me, <laughs> tell me the name of your business and how did you come up with that name? Well, as I mentioned earlier, 
doing my City and Guild certificates, the first module of work that we did was based on colour and culture. So I decided to look at the story of the green man, these foliate heads. And I did some pieces of work that I was really, really proud of in that module. And it links in with my Morris dancing and my music and all the nice things that I like doing. And so my business became Green Man Quilts. And originally my logo was the eyebrow of a green man's face, just the eyebrow itself. It was one of the pieces of work that I'd done for my city and guilds. And it was a great idea, but it wasn't a brilliant logo. And then somebody two years ago designed my current really nice logo, which is a quilt block and much more understandable. But that's where the green man came from and why it's green man quilts. Is there anything else you wanted to share about your business? All classes are overseen by a pair of calico cats. And it's very important that everybody makes sure that if they need to take any antihistamines to make sure that they don't have allergies, even on Zoom, because these cats will sit right up close to the camera. And I'm never sure what's just going to trigger someone's attack. <laughs> But yes, on, on my booking forms, I always have to put a little note to say that classes will be overseen by a Calico cat, just in case. And tell us where we can find your business. You can find me online at greenmanquilts.co.uk. And if you look at Green Man Quilts on Facebook, or on Instagram, you can also find me there. Great. Thank you, Sheena, so much for sharing with me. It's been a delight. Thank you for letting me indulge myself <laughs> with all of these lovely memories of things. It's very kind of you. Well, I love hearing these stories, and I so appreciate you taking time to share with me. It has been my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.